just blocked. Poulin leaves it now, goes through the skates of Weckernizer. She gathers it across to Mary Philippe Poulin. Poulin back to the line. Fortino, no shot. Johnson back to Fortino. Fortino rolling puck down low. Shot scores. It's Poulin again. Canada wins gold in overtime. Tuesday, April 16th, 2019, I am James Cole, and I'm all alone. That's right, flying solo this week. Um, Yeah, unfortunately, uh, Laced Up has experienced a couple technical issues uh, over our last uh, attempts at recording. We tried to get an episode out to you guys uh, yesterday. Uh, didn't uh, didn't succeed. Tried again this morning. Same issues. Uh, unfortunately, we're just running short on time. Uh, so I'm going at it alone this week. And uh, I know that Brutes sends his regards. Uh, wishes he could be here. But uh, we have a guest this week. And we felt it was in our, our best interest uh, to not only ourselves, but, uh, you know, we, we owed it to her as well to get the episode out. And... Uh, not delay any further uh, so that uh, all the uh, content in the interview was obviously relevant. And uh, you know what, we just, uh, you know, I had a great time doing it, so we wanted to uh, to get this episode out. It's going to be a little bit of a shorter one this week, obviously, and I think the plan is to try to get together at some point at the end of this week and, uh, you know, get both of us uh, talking to you uh, fine people. Uh, but uh, for today, you're stuck with me. So uh, I will now allow uh, a courtesy uh, a few seconds for anyone that uh, has no interest in listening to me talk to myself, uh, and uh, thanks for playing along. If you're sticking around and uh, are interested in what I have to say, then uh, welcome aboard. Uh, your uh, This is Laced Up a Hockey Podcast. So uh, we're going to start off uh, just by mentioning uh, one of the greatest sports comebacks uh, that uh, Bruce and I have ever had the pleasure of witnessing. I know he'd be remiss if I didn't mention Tiger Woods off the top of the episode. Uh, Tiger, of course, won the Masters uh, Sunday. Uh, a lot of people figured that would never happen again, uh, let alone uh, Tiger winning a tournament. Uh, the Masters, no less, uh, likely the most difficult to win. Uh, but he uh, he did it. He pulled it off. Uh, Tiger's back. Um I think uh, we can all say that golf is a is a better sport when when Tiger's at his best and and you know what it wasn't a, it wasn't a tournament that he dominated either he went into uh, Sunday uh, without the lead and uh, there was uh, six or seven guys that you know could have easily uh, come away with the green jacket this past weekend but Tiger beat uh, beat them all out he held on um, technical approach late in the game just kind of held the lead and, and didn't try, didn't have to do anything desperate late, uh, put himself in a good position to win. And uh, yeah, what uh, what can only be described as possibly the greatest sports comeback story uh, that uh, Brutes and I could uh, could recall. I, again, I'm, I'm going to mention a few things uh, here that uh, Brutes and I discussed. Obviously, we did uh, go through this routine a couple times, so I, I have a rough idea of what uh, what his opinion is on a few of these uh, topics, and uh, I will uh, make sure to uh, try and do them justice. So we uh, we wanted to start with that, and uh, getting back to hockey, the New Jersey Devils uh, came away with the draft lottery win. Um, they will get the 
top spot in the draft this June, uh, likely taking what is expected to be number one pick Jack Hughes. Um, of course, we all know that the real reason they won is because they have uh, lottery ball uh, magician Taylor Hall on the roster, um, and who could uh, who could ever vote against them? Um, so yeah, the Devils they will look to add to uh, Nico Heischer and Mackenzie Blackwood, and and maybe Taylor Hall if they can convince him to stick around and start to build a bit of a core to try to you know return to their previous glory years and. Uh, that will be obviously the uh, the next step. Uh, they jump up from, I believe, they had the third best odds to uh, take number one, dropping the Avalanche down to fourth, which I can only assume is a, a bit of a disappointment for them. Uh, had a real opportunity to take an already star-studded roster and make it even better while also uh, contending for this year's playoffs. Um the biggest shock, however, might have been the Chicago Blackhawks jumping up from 12 to uh, uh, number 3, and they will get a top 3 selection in this uh, this June's draft. But uh, I know Brutes was specifically interested in the Rangers, who uh, will uh, make their highest pick in the uh, entry draft uh, in team history, uh, going uh, number uh, 2. Uh, likely pick there will be uh, Kako. Um, and he will definitely help jumpstart the rebuild in New York, which is off to a, a great start. Um, look for them to be back in the thick of things sooner than later. And uh, you know what? Uh, you know New York's New York makes the league a better a, a better league. I, I think um, you take an original six franchise like that, a, a huge market. Um, and when the Rangers are are fun and exciting and 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 worth watching, I think uh, the NHL is just better off uh, as a whole. So that is a very brief uh, wrap-up of how the uh, draft lottery went last week, in case you missed it. Um, sticking with our, our hockey, I know what everyone's, uh, what everyone's excited about this time of year. It's playoffs. Uh, this, will, uh, this will be our, our first, uh, you know, look into how the series are going. Um, we gave our predictions last week uh, on the episode. Uh, I unfortunately don't have our exact predictions uh, in front of me today, uh, as Brutes had those recorded. Feel free to go back and uh, you know listen to last week's episode, and if you want to really prove us wrong and, and tell us how how terribly we're doing, because I'll I'll tell you this much: it's not great. We uh, we missed on a few of these. I think a lot of people missed on this first one, especially the Columbus Blue Jackets up three to nothing over the Tampa Bay Lightning in their first round series. Um, an absolute dominant performance from uh, Sergei Bobrovsky following uh, game one. Uh, he looked a little little shaky in the first period. Uh, some credit to uh, coach John Tortorella for leaving him in. Uh, and he really battled back. He's, uh, he's allowed only two goals uh, the rest of the way since then as the Blue Jackets look to sweep out the President's Trophy Lightning tonight uh, in Columbus, no less. So home ice um, may play a factor uh, there. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I also didn't think that, uh, you know, the Blue Jackets would be up through nothing either, so what do I know? But uh, I, th- I think you're going to see a desperate Tampa Bay team tonight. And, uh, yeah, I think we'll be heading back to uh, to St. Pete's for at least one more in this series if you uh, wanted my honest opinion. But, Hey, the way the Blue Jackets are playing, it's it's hard to bet against them. Uh, sticking with the East, we'll flip over to the other side of the Atlantic, where the Toronto Maple Leafs have a 2-1 series lead over the Boston Bruins. Um, obviously, the, the biggest story coming into uh, Game 3 was not so much about the series or the teams, but more about uh, Nazem Kadri, who uh, late in Game 2 uh, issued a, a high head cross-check on... Uh, uh, DeBrusque for the Bruins and uh, has gotten the hammer from the NHL who came down with a suspension that dictates he will no longer be allowed to play the rest of the series. Um, quickly on the suspension, I thought it was a little weird that the league couldn't come forth and put a number on it. Um, this is this is kind of an odd one where you know the suspension for a repeat offender on a high, high hit could be three games. It could be five games. Now we're talking playoff games, so they're more valuable and maybe they're they're worth a little more than 
the regular season. But uh, I, I think if the league was to come out and say that it was five games, then that would have been the better course of action here. If, if it, you know, feeds into the next series, so be it. If it trickles into next season, so be it. But to have this wishy-washy approach with, uh, well, it could be three, it could be five, you know, um, I thought it was kind of odd. And uh, I would have liked to have seen a firm number. I'm not saying that it should be three or it should be one, or I think it was a, a suspension worthy of five games. And I, I just kind of wish the league would would have uh, had, you know, maybe the uh, the balls to come out and say, you know, we're going to give him five and, and that's where we stand on it. And either way, you know that he's out for the series. Uh, beyond that, the uh, Maple Leafs uh, took a close one last night, 3-2 to two over the Boston Bruins to regain the series lead. Uh, this has been a very back-and-forth one. If anyone has missed this series, um, the Leafs came out in Game 1 in Boston and uh, dominated uh, the Bruins on their own ice to the tune of a 4-1 win. Um, the Bruins uh, attempted to play the speed game against the Leafs, and you're not going to win too many of those. Likewise, in Game 2, uh, the Bruins played more of their, their game. You know, the uh, heavy hockey, uh, getting away with a bit of, you know, some, some dirty hockey. But that's that's the refs. If the refs are going to let it go, then then that's the way the game's going to be played. And, you know, the Leafs tried to respond uh, in a physical manner, and you're not going to beat Boston that way. So um, a 4-1 win in Game 2 for Boston. And uh, coming back to Toronto for Game 3 last night, um, this was a this was a better effort from both teams. I felt uh, that uh, we saw, you know, the the Leafs play more more like they they have been all season. The Bruins they played somewhere in the middle. They they didn't play their heaviest hockey, but they didn't play their fastest, you know, wide open game either. Um, came right down to the last minute. There are a couple big blocks from Mitch Marner late, uh, sealed the win. So we go uh, game four tomorrow night in Toronto where the Leafs will look to take a stranglehold on the series and prevent Boston from getting back into it. On the other side of things, we have uh, the Carolina Hurricanes who earned a big, big win last night against the Washington Capitals uh, to uh, climb back into the series. Uh, this one stands as the only series that I, th- I, I believe this is the only one where the home team has, uh, has won uh, every game. Uh, so the Capitals, uh, of course, winning the first two in Washington. But uh, this has been maybe not so much uh, a black and white series as, as some of us might have thought. The Hurricanes have really come out strong against the Capitals through three games. Uh, and if you want to call game two the overtime game, uh, that was almost a, a, a coin flip. It could have really gone either way. Um, some better goaltending from Carolina in game one and and this this could easily be a three nothing lead for the for the hurricanes uh, when it comes down to it but it's not the capitals found a way to win a couple uh, at home and uh, they'll look to get back on the winning column uh, Thursday night against uh, a Carolina team that uh, on home ice will look to uh, tie the series uh, the big story here of course uh, last night uh, Alex Ovechkin uh, and Andrei Svechnikov getting into a fight, uh, a couple of Russians. Brutes and I talked about this uh, in the original recording, and we both felt that there's a bit of um, unwarranted uh, criticism against Ovechkin for this fight. Um, not that either of us like to see guys getting knocked out, or um, that this is the type of play that, that should be in the game anymore, but there seems to be this notion that uh, it's Ovechkin's fault for fighting. And this goes back to game one of the series. And, and Svechnikov has been, you know, getting under the skin of Ovechkin um, this this entire series. Uh, a little wax here, a little wax there. Um, and for a 19-year-old to do that to a veteran guy like Ovechkin, I, I don't agree with it. Um, I'm not really sure what he was trying to prove. And it, it came to a head last night. And... Um, you know, two willing guys uh, going back and forth and, and finally decide that they're going to go. If you're going to go, you're going to go. And you have to understand and accept the consequences of those actions. And unfortunately, you know what? A player got hurt. And, and I'm, again, we're not saying we like to see that. It's unfortunate. But uh, I don't think that this is uh, in any way Ovechkin's fault. And uh, we'll have to see uh, if Sveshnikov can return for uh, any of the remaining games. 
our last uh, game in the East, uh, we have uh, the uh, <coughs> Islanders and Penguins, and uh, boy howdy, uh, does uh, the analytics department uh, have a conundrum on their hands because the New York Islanders have jumped out to a 3 nothing series lead over the Pittsburgh Penguins on the back of some uh, otherworldly goaltending from Robin Leonard. Uh, I believe he's up around a, a 9.50, 9.55 save percentage at this point through three games. Um, and the Penguins haven't had any response. Matt Murray has looked off. Uh, I don't know if he's hurt and trying to play through something because at the end of the day, the Penguins don't really have anything to go to uh, in terms of a number two goaltender. So, um, you know, Murray might be trying to you know, understand that he's, he's the guy and, you know, it's, it's, if I, if I don't, if I don't play, then we really don't stand a chance. And for whatever reason, he just hasn't looked like, uh, Matt Murray of years past. And, uh, it looks like it might cost the Pittsburgh Penguins here. Uh, they are at home tonight against the Islanders looking to stave off the sweep. Um, it's going to take something special to, to open this one up and, uh, they're, they need to find an answer for Robin Leonard uh, sooner than later because uh, this one is going to be over pretty quick. Um, now, in our in our last couple episodes that uh, Bruce and I attempted to record, we uh, took time here to pause for the uh, interview this week. Um, but since this is going to be a shorter uh, episode, a quick wrap-up, if you will, I'm just going to breeze through the West real quick, and then we'll get to our interview, and uh, we'll wrap up with some closing points, and uh, I'll let you know all about uh, where Laced Up is going to be at moving forward here. So out West, uh, we'll start in the Central, where the uh, division-winning Predators uh, have taken their first lead of the series against the Dallas Stars. Uh, Dallas came out Game 1. Uh, very hungry, very determined, got the win. I know Brutes is a big uh, big fan of the Dallas team. Um, has them winning this series. And uh, you know what, Nash- Nashville uh, is doing pretty much what I thought they would do um, in terms of... Um, I think Nashville realizes that they're not an offensive you know, juggernaut, but... Um, they just need to score more than Dallas, uh, which I, you know, may sound pretty uh, obvious. Uh, yeah, you want to score more than your opponent in a hockey game. But uh, the Dallas Stars uh, had the fewest goals of any playoff team, um, and they rely heavily on Ben Bishop to keep the puck out. Now, you that's a fine strategy, but if you're only scoring two goals a game, you're not going to go very far. And... Uh, True to form, Nashville has held Dallas to uh, six goals uh, through three games and uh, have the series lead as a result. Uh, Dallas uh, will look tomorrow night to try to get uh, this series tied back up on home ice. And uh, again, uh, the offense has to wake up at some point if if they uh, expect to beat Nashville. Uh, Nashville's just uh, comfortable you know, getting that lead and then and then sitting back on it. And they, they know that they don't need to score a ton of goals to beat this Dallas team. Uh, uh, the next series, a uh, bit of a uh, opposing rooting interest uh, for Brutes and I, if you will. Uh, the St. Louis Blues and the Winnipeg Jets. Of course, the two teams that we write about at Puck 77. Uh, St. Louis currently holds the 2-1 to series lead after a pair of road wins in Winnipeg. Um, and the Jets responded uh, in turn by winning handedly 6-3 in St. Louis Sunday night. Uh, game 4 goes again tonight. You can be sure that uh, we'll be following along closely with that one. Um, it's been a tight affair. A uh, pair of one-goal wins in Winnipeg, followed by a, a bit of a manhandling by the Jets over, over St. Louis. Uh, Jordan Bennington uh, came out on top of Game 1 uh, with a stellar performance. Um, and since then has looked okay, um, you know, hasn't dominated the way I think the Blues uh, rely on him to do. Uh, they were able to squeak out a, a win game two in Winnipeg um, in a game where the Jets were likely the better team and game three uh, definitely were the better team. So we'll have to see what kind of uh, what kind of performance Bennington has tonight in game four and uh, this may determine whether or not, uh, you know, the Winnipeg Jets uh, are able to climb back into it or uh, if we're getting, going back to Winnipeg uh, on the ropes. 
In the Pacific, we've got the Western Conference best Calgary Flames, uh, who came out uh, very strong game one with a 4 nothing uh, performance over the Colorado Avalanche. Mike Smith looking uh, like the right guy in net for game one there, posting the shutout. Um, but bad news for Flames fans, a pair of losses in games two and three have left the uh, Flames trailing in the series. Uh, 6-2... Colorado last night, uh, an absolute dominant performance. Probably the the single greatest performance by one team uh, so far this postseason. Uh, the Avalanche firing uh, 57 shots uh, at uh, the Calgary net. Mike Smith um, left in for the whole game. Kind of a, a curious decision by Bill Peters. Uh, Brutes and I discussed what this could mean uh, for Game 4 tomorrow night. Um, I wonder if Bill Peters doesn't turn to uh, Dave Riddick and give him an opportunity in Game 4, because if you leave in Mike Smith for 6 goals and 57 shots in Game 3, maybe it's because you're resting your backup to to go for Game 4, because there really isn't a reason to leave Mike Smith in for all 6 at that point. Like I I, I believe it was 5-1 going into the 3rd. There's no reason to leave him in net for that third period if if he's a, if he's your guy for game four, so kind of a curious decision there. We'll have to see what happens. Uh, obviously, the Flames in Colorado for game four, uh, not going to be an easy task by the looks of things. Nathan McKinnon looking absolutely dominant in this series. And finally, out west we've got uh, the San Jose Sharks taking on the Golden Knights, uh, and uh, this is another one where. Um, you know, the goaltending has been the difference. Um, Mark Stone, eight points through three games. I think we can go ahead and just hand him the con Smythe at this point. But uh, the real story, Martin Jones. Um, if anyone can find Martin Jones, please return him to the San Jose Sharks because they are going to need some help in net if they hope to get back into this series. Uh, 13 goals against uh, through three games. Um, and the Sharks haven't looked terrible offensively either. Like they, they've they've been putting the puck in uh, themselves, eleven goals for the Sharks. But uh, it's it's been when Vegas is scoring, it's been how Vegas has been scoring, and it's it's left Martin Jones looking very vulnerable. Uh, Brutes uh, mentioned to me that he he thinks that uh, uh, if he was the coach, he would be going with Aaron Dell for tonight's game. Uh, just to try to switch things up, try to give a, a bit of a different look to the uh, Vegas shooters. And uh, so we'll have to see where uh, Martin Jones factors into this series, if we see him again, and if we do, uh, to what capacity uh, he'll be able to uh, provide in terms of uh, goaltending for the Sharks. So at this point, we're going to turn it over to uh, the interview this week. And our, our guest this week is LU women's hockey team captain, uh, Asia Vass. Um, we had a great chat uh, about uh, all things women hockey. Of course, we had the closing of the uh, CWHL a couple weeks ago. Uh, the women's world hockey just wrapped up. Uh, her own experiences with uh, the LU women's program. We, uh, Brutes and I felt that instead of trying to tackle all of these uh uh, issues that maybe we don't know as much about uh, as some other people. We brought in an expert uh, to, of sorts and uh, had a great time sitting down talking to Asia about uh, all things women hockey. Joining me now is uh, captain of the LU Women's Thunderwolves hockey team, Asia Vass. Asia, thank you for taking some time out today to uh, do this with us. Thanks for having me. Now, you are a back-to-back ACHA, is yes, that correct? Yep. Champion. Yeah. It's and this crazy. year you guys came up a little short. Yep. We so lost in the semis. Semifinals yeah. to the eventual winners, I think. Yes. Which is So there's no shame in that. Bittersweet. Yeah, it's it's yeah. you kinda you want to go to the team that wins, right? So Yeah. Um but uh so yeah, just like what were the last couple of years like for you guys? Like it's 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 a program that I don't think a lot of people maybe more recently, but but Prior to this year, I don't know if there's a lot of talk about you guys uh, locally. No, there. I would say we're the least advertised team at Lakehead. Like compared to other club sports, I think they don't get advertised 
as much either. But um, with our success, I think we deserve more advertising, which is sad that we don't get it. But the experience of being on the team for four years has been crazy. I know my first year we um, was our inaugural year in the ACHA, and we didn't travel much. Um, it wasn't that serious of a team. But then the next year, my second year, um, we like became pretty prominent in the ACHA, and this team has just expanded into so much I didn't expect. Hmm. So. Now, so you guys play primarily in the States for these championships, right? Yeah. Is that because that's just the only opportunity for you guys? Like, is there a Canadian equivalent to the league you're playing in? I'm actually not 100% sure if there is. I don't think there is because the only Canadian league that I know of is like CIS, I think they call it OUA now. Right. Or the Canadian, that's all varsity. Yeah. I don't see any non-varsity um, programs in Canada, which, I mean, it'd be easier for us to travel to the States anyway because everything in Canada is so much, too far west, yeah, too far out. east, right? right? So is there perhaps a, an opportunity where one day we'll see the OU Women's Thunderwolves at a CIS level? Or is that a bit of a shooting too high, perhaps? As of right now, I don't see it happening anytime soon. And I think that's partly due because we're so secluded from other CIS teams, which is unfortunate. If we were like a Southern Ontario team, I think it'd be easier because travel expense is like mm. the number one thing that costs the most. Um, but yeah, I don't see it happening soon. It would be awesome if it did. Just it would take a lot of work to get to there and a lot of support, sponsors, right. money. Yeah. yeah. Now, will we be seeing Captain Vass back for next year? Still not 100% sure. Not sure? Yeah. Okay. I've been, I mean, I've been captain of this team for three years. I've put a lot into it. Yeah. And I do want to keep playing hockey, but. Is that a, a personal decision or something to do with the program itself? It's a little bit of both, I think. Um, when you're, you fight so hard for a team to get recognized and you put so much into a team and you don't really see that feedback, it's hard to want to go back. Um, but also, it's hockey. You don't want to mm. stop playing hockey. No, definitely. Yeah. Uh, admittedly, I, I, I can say that I went to more of the women's games this year than <laughs> I did the men's. Um, caught a few. You guys had a local tournament here. Um, a lot of fun. Uh, I was. I, I don't want to say I was surprised at how fun it was, but the games were were tight. There was, I mean, I think the one game there where you guys had a real blowout, but uh, otherwise the competition was good. Um, it's it's something that I think more people should be aware of locally. And I was a little disappointed at the turnout. Um, obviously, like you know, I don't think anybody. Uh, in town is going to be selling out the gardens, whether it be men's hockey or women's hockey, whatever the case may be. It's just not going to happen. But it was it was something where I, I was kind of sitting there and I'm, I'm saying to myself, this is this is good. Like people should be aware. People should be coming out. And I, I don't know what the problem is. I don't know if there's just this uh, stereotype with it being women's hockey. But I think um, personally, we're at a stage where women's hockey is starting to chip away at those maybe uh, preconceived notions and getting a little bit more of the limelight. Um, what, what have you noticed? Like, has the local uh, attention grown since you guys became these back-to-back -back champions? I think locally people are interested in our team and would love to see our team, but I don't think we have enough advertising of our team to the public. Everyone that I meet and they ask me what I do or whatever, they, I didn't even know there was a women's hockey team. That's what I hear. 95% of the time. Mm -hmm. No one knew, knows there's a women's hockey team, which is sad because we're two-time national champions. Yeah, That should be advertised more, but um, I think it will grow. I'm, I'm optimistic to it. I understand there's the stigma against women's hockey. It's never really been popular. Yeah, for whatever reason, right? For whatever and, reason. And I mean, I, I'm, I was a little too young maybe for 1998, but... I've enjoyed every Olympics that we've we've had with the women's hockey team. I, I think, uh, what is it? We've we've only missed out on gold the one time, and it's like the the last Olympics where the uh, NHL players wouldn't go. I watched the women's games. I didn't. I didn't. I don't think I watched a single Canadian men's hockey team uh, game at the Olympics. I was more focused on the women. 
Um, I think they came up short. I think I believe they got silver. Yeah, in they yeah, yeah lost in a shootout against the U.S. Yeah, so it was heartbreaking. But that's what I mean. Like I, I that watched game it, though. That game it was, was unreal. Yeah, Haley Irwin scored a goal. Heartbreaker Thunder for Day. sure. Yep. But no. uh, it's it's hockey, and I think if you're you know a hockey fan, it shouldn't matter uh, who it is on the ice playing. So, um, speaking of the Canadian. Uh, women's hockey team. We're in the middle of the Women's World Championships. Have you caught any of that? Been paying attention to any, anything going on there? Um, unfortunately, it's literally the worst timing to have this championship right in the middle of exams. So I haven't Fair enough. haven't been able, especially with the time difference, haven't really been able to catch a game, like mm-hmm. watch a game. I've been following it a bit on Instagram and Twitter, but um, Canada's off to the semis yeah. this weekend, so that's good. I uh, know Natalie Spooner, there's a lot about her getting the hat trick. Yeah, we got a lot of big names this year. Uh, uh, we've got uh, uh, Spooner, as you alluded to, Sarah Nurse, obviously, she's, yeah. uh, she's coming up. Uh, Rebecca Johnston, uh, who was at the NHL All-Star Game, uh, rather fast. Um, some big names in Canadian hockey. Mind you, our, our starting goaltender, uh, Savados, is not uh, present this year for whatever reason. But um, what's impressed me a little bit is the growth of the game internationally. So uh, there's this... Um, idea where it's it's every year it's Canada US and the rest of the tournament's just this formality that everyone goes through but uh, teams like Finland and Russia and uh, uh, even Japan have shown that there's been some growth in the women's game and um, how important do you think it is that the international market uh, adopts this uh, brand of hockey and pushes it beyond just the North American uh, viewpoint well I think firstly everyone should get to play hockey and everyone should have that uh, spotlight put on them and countries should invest in women's hockey it's an up-and-coming thing I know there's been talk that um, they might actually get rid of women's hockey in the Olympics hmm. because there's not a lot of competition right. I've seen stuff about that which is devastating I don't yeah. think that should ever happen but um, there is talent overseas I know we have um, two people I played with Caitlin Tugas and Michaela Cava yes, currently playing yeah. Sweden yeah so there is that there is that building across the seas, but I don't know if they have the same resources we do, the same leagues. I'm not too familiar with what they have over there. Because mm-hmm. you have to but. think, like, hockey is just as popular in Finland and Russia yeah. as it would be in Canada and the U.S. So, but, yeah. Um, if our own – we don't see Canadian or U.S. women's hockey advertised here, obviously we're not going to see media about – Stuff in Other nations, right? for yeah. sure. Now, it's been proposed that one way to help grow the international market would be to have a professional women's only league. Um, we had two of them recently. We had the Canadian Women's Hockey League. We had the National Women's Hockey League. Um, almost working as rivals, which I think was maybe the wrong way to approach it. Obviously, different people have different you know, business models and they want to run things differently. Um, and we recently had the uh, folding of the Canadian Women's Hockey League. Um, I watched the Clarkson Cup Championship. Uh, the Calgary Inferno uh, came out on top. Fantastic game. Um, once again, one of those things where it's unfortunate where they, they only have you know the funding to have one game and it's, it's a one-off like the Super Bowl instead of a series because I could have watched seven games of that. And... Uh, I loved it. I, I was watching, you know, women I knew, like, you know, recognizing names, uh, you know, Marie Philip Poulon and uh, Rebecca Johnston. And uh, a week later, it's announced that they're folding. So with the CWHL gone, we were left with one league. Do you see that as maybe a necessary evil in, in the grand scheme of women's hockey? I think it's, it's very sad that they had to get rid of the Canadian Women's Hockey League, but... I agree with you in that to build women's hockey from the ground up, I think it's smarter to invest in one league. If we can invest all those sponsors and money into one league, I think it allows for more opportunity to grow. All those players can play together now. Right. Um, Obviously, one big hurdle is going to be finding a way to get um, all of these elite athletes in a position where they can play the game because uh, one of the big problems, of course, is that the money they receive is just not enough to live off of. So you, you can't expect someone like um, Rebecca Johnston to get up and move out of Calgary to 
you know, Buffalo or New York or whatever to play hockey when she's only making fifteen, twenty thousand dollars a year. Um, how do we get there? Like, what's what? What do you think needs to happen? Do we need more teams? Should we concentrate on maybe a select few um, and just kind of unfortunately cut away at some of the the jobs for some of the yeah. the women? I mean, it's a toss up. If you have too many teams, that's more money that you need. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if the market is there. I don't know what the attendance rate is at these games. And but if you only have a few teams, then you get rid of so many elite hockey players. Yeah. Um, I know that the schedule for the NWHL is they only play weekend games mm-hmm. because everyone has to work forty-hour yep. full-time job. They don't get paid nearly enough. Um, so I I don't know what they should do from here. I mean, to, now that it's one league, I think you have to you have to add teams to that league because you're getting rid of. I think there were six teams in the CWHL. I if I um, around six, five or six. Five for sure. Yeah. No, there were six. Yeah. So that's correct. a lot of elite hockey players. Yeah. That are going to be out of professional hockey definitely yeah and it's it's unfortunate um it's it's the fastest growing sport in north america i, I don't know if, if if you were aware of that women's hockey is is really taking off you're seeing at the at the the minor levels more and more girls are getting involved and they're not being forced to play in men's leagues you know if they've, they've they've got their own teams they've got their own competition and uh i think it's just a matter of time before we get to a point where we can uh, sit back and say that this is where it needs to be. This is where we're heading, and we're going to get there. Um, the NHL has always said from day one that they're not going to get involved with, you know, a battle between two leagues. And now that there's one, um, I'm hoping that there's an opportunity there for them to provide more uh, from a financial standpoint and maybe help get this league to where it needs to be. The good news is uh, the NWHL announced that they'll be adding two Canadian markets as a result of the CWHF folding. Um, Toronto and Montreal are going to be the, the two coming in. And, um, yeah, where, where do you what, what more can maybe the NHL do in this regard? Should it be something where the NHL comes in and, and puts their brand on it and um, their business model kind of takes over and it becomes sort of like a sub-league, like part of the NHL umbrella? Or should they allow them to remain independent while funding them to a degree from a, from afar? I think only monetary uh, support can only get you so far. I think um, obviously we've seen success in the NHL and we've seen failure in the CWHL. So I think the NHL should step in to help with the business model, with um, branding it. I know the NHL actually um, brands our league, the ACHA. Like, they host... That's why I had to go to Dallas for Nationals, is because an NHL team will host every two years. Wow. Or, like... So, like, so last two years, I went in Columbus. You got to play in the NHL arenas? No. No. Oh. <laughs> no. Okay. Just their name was on. I ah. got to... And in Columbus, the final game for the women's D2 was on their practice ice. Mm-hmm. So, I did get to play on their practice ice, but um, they... I, don't, I can't see the NWHL succeeding forever if they're by themselves without that advertisement hockey fans watch the nhl that's known mm-hmm. if the nhl is promoting the nwhl and advertising it during their games i think they'll bring in more viewers right and i think one thing that really helped was uh, uh the involvement of women at the all-star game recently i think that that's something that they should really look at down the road um we mentioned in one episode recently that uh if it was up to me, we'd have, you know, maybe your division teams in the All-Star game and then maybe a women's team, you know, that comes from this NWHL. And, you know, because I think that there's, you know, uh, an opportunity there for them to come out and say, hey, like, so, like, I can skate around the ice as fast as you maybe, but I can also play the game. And I think that gives an opportunity for the women to go out there and show their, show their skills. And at the same time, like, uh, what what group of men are going to want to lose to the women's team, right? So I, I think it becomes a, a more competitive all-star game, and that's something that they've really struggled with from their side. Uh, is, is that something you would watch? Is that something you think oh, could work? Oh, 100%. That would, I didn't watch the all-star weekend this yeah. year. I don't really 
care about that. I think the only reason I tuned in was the was skills for the, women. for the women. Yeah, so. I agree. I I think that would be an interesting twist. It's not like it's any deficit to the men. Right. Like, what is it really going to do to them? Is it uh, going to take away from them? No, it's... I don't enough know. of them want to stay home as, as it is, right? Yeah. So, but I, I think there's more value in, in having, um, you know, eight, eight and ten-year-olds sitting at home going, hey, like, there's a woman out there playing hockey. I want to play hockey. I think, yeah, or, I think it's it's definitely beneficial for everyone. Right. Um, so growing up, what age did you start playing hockey? How did you get involved in the sports? Um, I th- oh God, I was on skates as soon as I could walk. I mean, my dad is the biggest hockey fan I know. He taught me everything I know about hockey. Um, I've played, I played boys up until, I think, Bantam. So all through that. And I'm happy I chose that route. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, there's this thing about women's hockey that it can't be as physical as men. And I think that's, I don't think that's the right way to go. I think, I don't think body contact should be completely taken out of women's hockey to be honest I think if women are taught how to hit and how to take a hit how to be physical properly I think that could make the game more exciting Um, but yeah I've played hockey my whole life with the boys and I loved loved it with the boys with the boys well like and that's and that's that's interesting because as a coach um, I've seen games where uh, now I've never coached a female hockey player admittedly but I've coached against teams that have. I've, I've coached against the Queens. Um, and it seemed like any time that there was a game where we had a, a girl playing in a men's or a boys' league, that every time she got hit, oh, the crowd would get up on you or the coaches would get up on you. I never saw that as making much sense. I mean, I, I thought if, if you're here to play hockey, you're here to play, you know the rules ahead of time. And you're going to play body contact, you're going to get hit, and that's part of the game. Um, and that's how it was for you yeah. growing up by the sounds of things? Well, if you think about it, everything I played was before boys hit puberty. So you don't really have an excuse to – like, you're at the same level, I would right. say. I I played, and I know that I was at the same level as them, like physically, some of them. Right. Well, I'm, I'm um, sure you knocked a few out yeah. of Oh, yeah. yeah. No, but you know what you're signing up for. If you're a parent and you don't want your daughter to get hurt um, for whatever reason, you think that women are going to get hurt in this league, don't sign them up for that. Yeah. But you're signing up to play hockey. That's how you play hockey. I don't think uh, when you're playing a women's team, I don't think you should play any different. Right. And I notice that a lot. We actually play the Queens sometimes in town. Okay. And they are not aware of – people like they play just a different they play a different, different game way, yeah. and I can tell when a like a women's hockey player has never played boys and it's I think it's a detriment to them hmm. like I know I was standing in the middle of the ice where I'm supposed to be and it's just a girl skating up the ice with her head down and just ran right into me and got knocked over yeah I mean less aware of your surroundings to a yeah degree, right? definitely yeah uh, so growing up, did, did you have any uh, influential women athletes that you looked up to, or was it uh, because you played men's hockey, you watched maybe more of the men's hockey, and you know admired your Steve Eisenmans over your yeah. Haley Wickenheisers, perhaps? Back in, definitely back in the day, I knew a lot about Haley Wickenheiser. Obviously, she's a mogul for women's hockey. Um, a lot about Haley Irwin when she first started because she's from Thunder Bay, mm-hmm. but. Back then, there wasn't a lot of women's hockey to watch, if I'm being honest. My dad's an avid NHL fan. I watched a lot of the NHL, um, but I can't say I had any women's hockey. No hero? No, no hero. poster on your wall? No. No? It was, it was all... I remember having a poster of Alexander Ovechkin, for some reason, <laughs> on my wall. Not even a huge fan of his. Mm. He's great. Not my favorite player, but it was always uh, men's hockey because that was considered the elite league right yeah the farthest you can go is the nhl mm-hmm. arguably um and when you're young you don't see why a woman can't play in that league obviously now i i can see why but um you want to observe their skills and what they do and you want to try to learn that mm-hmm. so mostly the nhl is what i watched as a watched. kid yeah and uh, what about today is there is there one female hockey player that sticks out to you is or who is who's the Crosby of today. 
I wouldn't say I know the Crosby of today, but I remember uh, when I was in Midget, we got to see a world championship game in Ottawa. And I remember just being floored by Megan Augusta. Mm. She was just so good. A different level, eh? Different level. It's yeah. yeah. And to see all all the people in the stands watching and admiring these people, but she's one that definitely sticks out in mind. And Shannon Zabados, even though she's a goalie, she's um, she's paved the way for women's hockey. She's as elite as it gets. Right. So. I really admire her too. Hmm, fantastic. So, uh, just we're going to wrap it up quickly, but uh, of course, as I'm sure you know, the NHL playoffs started last night. Um, you got a cup pick? As we were walking in, you said you don't think Tampa can win the, the Stanley Cup. No. But I don't know. I'm going to have to go with them. I mean, I uh, Kucherov's had an unreal year. Mm-hmm. Um, huge fan of Vasilevsky. I don't know. I, I think it's going to be Tampa. You don't think anyone can knock them off their mantle, eh? I mean, no, I don't I don't think they can. I think it's their year. I think they deserve to win. If they play like they've been playing, I think they deserve to win. Um, I also want to see the Jets win, though. Jets, eh? So that, that's who you're cheering for? Yes. Yeah. Jets in Toronto, obviously, okay. but I can't, I can't see Toronto making it. Mm. I don't even think they're going to make it to the, the final round. Well, uh, unfortunately for the Lightning and Jets, uh, they are off to a rough start They're, after yep. last night. Yep. So uh, time to improve, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, we, we want to thank you so much for coming out and doing this with us. Yeah, uh, thanks. It was a blast. We, uh, we definitely do our best to keep an eye on the women's game. And uh, with the CWHL folding, I uh, just had to had to get you out here because uh, I know uh, next to nothing when it comes to the women's <laughs> hockey. So trying to learn as much as I can and uh, any opportunity I have, I want to take it. So again, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. And uh, hope to see you on the ice next season. Yes. And once again, our thanks to Asia Vass for sitting down and doing that interview with us. Uh, had a great time. Um, hope to have her back in the future. Uh, and uh, Broods tells me that we'll have another guest next week, um, although I do not know who, so uh, even if I wanted to drop some hints, I cannot at this time. And that brings us to the end of the episode. Uh, we're just going to uh, wrap up a few uh, hockey points. Ryan Kessler uh, looking at a potential career-ending uh, hip surgery uh, was told basically that uh, the surgery is required um, and once he has it he will probably not be able to skate again so uh, Ryan Kessler facing a very tough decision here about uh, whether or not to uh, delay the surgery and try to get a little bit more out of his career or to uh, possibly uh, call it quits and hang up the skates Uh, Never one of my favorite players, but you hate to see a guy go out against his own terms like that, and uh, you never wish injury upon anyone. Uh, And finally, uh, some coaching news in the NHL. Alain Vigneault is back. Uh, He has uh, signed a five-year deal with the Philadelphia Flyers. He will take over as the new bench boss, and uh, not a bad roster to work with. I I think all things considered, if, if you had to... Start out with uh, a team, Carter Hartz, uh, you know, Claude Giroux. Uh, they got a lot of good pieces there in Philly. Um, I could see him turning this uh, this team around pretty quick. And, uh, you know, if Philadelphia plays uh, next year like they played in the second half of this season, I think it's uh, safe to say that uh, uh, the Flyers could be uh, back um in playoff contention and uh, that's always always fun to have uh, it's better when uh, uh, the Flyers are good it's better when the Flyers and Penguins are good at the same time and playing meaningful hockey against each other so Alain Vigneault in as the coach of the Philadelphia Flyers uh, leaving uh, only a few coaching vacancies now at this point uh, we've got Anaheim, uh, Edmonton, uh, Ottawa, and uh, I guess Los Angeles is still technically available, although it sounds like Todd McClellan is going to be the guy there uh, any minute now, uh, expected to sign. Um, so yeah, we'll have to see uh, who fills those voids, where they come from, um, 
and uh, there's obviously a few names floating around Dallas Eakins um, you know Mark Crawford he's likely out in Ottawa but he could stick around I guess Eugene Melnick loves saving money anyway he can uh, he can find it but uh, yeah so a few vacancies left and uh, we're sure that those will be filled uh, before the free agent period opens up in July once again, our thanks to Asia Vass for doing the interview with us this week. We had a blast. And, uh, of course, Brutes wishes that he could be here. Sends his best. Um, we should, we're, well, we're hoping anyway to have an episode out by this weekend, depending on our, uh, our schedules. Um, we don't uh, have an exact understanding of the technical difficulties we went through, but we can say that uh, it was uh, mostly attributed to the fact that we weren't together in the same room. Uh, I was battling a flu bug this past weekend, so we attempted to to do our recordings separately from our own homes, and uh, while everything looked good from um, the initial standpoint, once we listened back, we uh, found there were some gaps in the recording. So once we uh, are able to get together back in the same room, like we uh, always have been, uh, we don't expect any further issues moving forward. And uh, we uh, we are excited for uh, coming back uh, as, uh, as a duo here, because uh, I'm not going to lie, this was not as much fun by myself as it is with Brutes. So... Uh, follow us on Twitter, uh, Stitcher, Portugal Radio. Uh, this is usually Brutes' bit. I have no idea where we are, but uh, uh, I have it on good authority that if you uh, have a podcast app or know of a podcast app, that we should be on there. Um, all of the major ones, Spotify, Google Play. Um, I just kind of stick to one basic source so uh, I'm unfamiliar with all of the various apps but uh, yeah like I said Brutes does this normally so uh, try not to blame me for not remembering uh, 20 different uh, media apps in any case this has been the Laced Up a Hockey Podcast I'm James Cole I pray I never have to do this again by myself and we'll talk to you soon oh big golf huh alright well see you later Thank you.